Hello everyone and welcome to Writing the Rapids, the show where I talk to writers about writing. I know this is a weird time for everyone financially, but if you feel so inclined, you can sign up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash noisemakerjoe to get some bonus content and early episodes, or you can toss me a one-time donation over at paypal.me slash noisemakerjoe. Today on the show, I am joined by Sam Pink. Sam Pink is the author of several books of fiction and poetry, including The No Hellos Diet, The Garbage Times and White Ibis, The Ice Cream Man and Other Stories, and many more. I find his writing to be funny, direct, and wholly compassionate. There is a quality to his work that makes him, in my opinion, one of the greatest American writers working today. Our talk ranges from talking about editing, community, his visual art, and more, but I think what comes across most strongly is that his writing is exactly that. His writing. So the first thing that I, I want to address, because I think it will inform how I understand your writing going uh, from here on out, is uh, how autobiographical is your work? Um, I'd say a lot, but I think uh, at this point I've just come to uh, just say that it's fiction and that's easier, you know? You you managed to touch on these like really sort of bright moments in mundane happenings. Lots of um, like the jump rope story, for instance, in the ice cream man and other stories, it's very short. It's kind of um, simple, but it like really hits on something deeper, I think. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think sometimes I find myself kind of thinking, like trying to think bigger things and it, and I've just found that it never really works. And so sometimes I try to remember that, like, I mean, I know that's something I know about, you know, yeah. like, uh, I can write about jumping rope, like definitely. But, and then, you, you know, you would hope that you have some bigger ideas about what it means or maybe that it would allow somebody else to think those things. But that, I think that's the reason behind that kind of thing. You know, like, I don't really know, when I try to think bigger things, I don't really know what I'm doing and definitely not in terms of like writing it out. So every once in a while, I just kind of remember like, you know, I'm actually kind of like, you know, an authority on the fork that I own or like the jumping rope or, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'll just do something like that. Cause a theme that, that runs through a lot of your writing is sort of working in these, in like factories or stores or, or restaurants. And it certainly seems like you've done quite a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I also don't like to make up a lot of stuff for the same reason. I'm just, I'm, I'm personally, I'm not good at it. And it would be hard for me to comfortably write about something and feel like I'm actually in it if there weren't at least a very uh, like large overlap with my experience that I can work from. So that includes those kind of things. And I think like, you know, a lot of people have done that kind of shit. So like worked in those kind of places or something like it. So it's not that hard for them to then also kind of understand what's going on immediately one of the things that i find so compelling is the way um that you and your stories interact with the people that you run into um it almost kind of reminds me of uh like 
Haruki Murakami, sort of, in that there's like this rip, this parroting that happens. Um, I just watched the video of from like years ago that Lisa put on YouTube of you reading um, the story about you training uh, to drive a forklift. And, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and the way that, that you and the guy sort of um, start having this vernacular develop between you where you're calling each other like champ and buddy and saying certified over and over again. It's a, a really interesting way to um, like connect with people is to like create a language between the two of you. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of stuff happens a lot in those kind of jobs in my experience, because you're just sort of looking for something to do and you kind of want to make it nice. You know, it's funny. Like, I think there's actually a line, not in that book, but about in the book about working at that place, at that department store about like, um, how I didn't mind working there because like, at least I, I could go see people, you know, yeah. have something to do. And uh, I, I feel like a lot of times people focus on like, oh, it's about um, like shitty jobs and it's so bad or whatever. But I honestly feel like some of the best times I've had have been at those places and just kind of like joking with people, you know, yeah, and just having absolutely. fun with them. Yeah, I, I, I have only a little bit of experience working the sort of manual labor jobs, but I've definitely had in in the radio industry that connection with people who you certainly wouldn't be friends with if you didn't have that job with that person. Yeah. I mean, I think it like extends to any kind of like group situation where, um, there's like dynamics to it. And, you know, for those kind of places, I don't, I don't think people are like, you know, really finding anything enriching about the actual work. And so, uh, you know, you kind of, try to find it with each other. At least that's how I look at it. You know, like why not make it like a little bit better? Try to let your mind like exercise itself a little bit or whatever. The other thing I think that's uh, kind of immediately noticeable about your writing is you have a very clear style and voice. Um, You know, it's almost poetics in how short your paragraphs are. Um, Does that kind of come out of the same place as deciding how you um, pick your subjects? Um, it might. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've actually thought about that. I think uh, that's more just uh, trying to get it exactly how I want it to be or so that nothing gets in the way of itself and just kind of naturally, like, I mean, there's other writers who have done that. Uh, there, Noah Cicero is one, and I've always liked his writing. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like um, I would be working on like a paragraph, and then I really didn't have any way of justifying why it was that group of sentences and not maybe the next one too, and or maybe like why isn't this one too? And and so I was like, well, let me just to edit it. Let me take it all apart so that it's you know there's one line for each thing. That's pretty easy to, to judge, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. Did, did that thing work or whatever? Not like, did that sentence work with that one and all these other ones? And does that work as a paragraph, which like I said, I just don't know. 
And so, um, and then I really had no reason to put it all back together. I was like, well, this looks fine and it reads okay. And so I guess I'll just leave it like that, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. That That is kind of similar to how uh, the various po- poetry professors I had in college talked about writing poetry where um, they'd, they'd write it like a prose poem and then just find the line breaks within it. It, it almost seems like you do sort of a reverse of that, which is interesting to me. Um, yeah. Or another thing that I find interesting is... Um, I suppose your tenure within the indie lit world, how you are one of the surviving members of the alt lit scene and you've managed to um, survive lazy fascist going away and and find new homes. What's your interaction with uh, the so-called writing community like? Um. I'm not sure. I mean, to me, I never really kind of understood the whole alt-lit thing. Like, I understand people grouping stuff together and giving it a name, but I didn't really think that that was totally honest, and I don't think most people would even really agree with the people that they were grouping together. And so I don't. I think, like, what you're viewing as, like, surviving that is just I'm doing the same thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it, it, there's no... It wasn't like, man, I hope that this, whatever people think is a scene sticks around so that I can, you know, like, I think things like scenes and communities happen among people in a very small way. They do happen, but it's not like people think where all of a sudden you're part of a writing community. You're really not. If you, I mean, at least what I consider community, you know, I have like a handful of people that I've met throughout over a decade at this point that I would be like, Oh yeah, I talk to them regularly and I know about them and we're friends and we, you know, like what I would consider actually communing with someone. So I think kind of, that's the answer to that, you know, I wasn't, I think people grouped me in and I, I mean, I can see it like, I guess stylistically or whatever, but to me there was never like, I barely knew any of those people. And so there was never really a feeling of that to me. And so now it kind of feels like the exact same thing. I really don't feel like I'm doing anything different, you know? Mm. Yeah, I'm about that. I like I like that answer an awful lot, um, selfishly. I mean, like, think about it, you know, like, I didn't say, like, for me, it was like, I want to make something that I like and that I'm proud of, you yeah. know? And so if you do that, if that's your goal, then all the other stuff is just kind of ancillary, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking to make friends and money and do all that kind of stuff, that's fine. I'm not saying anything about that. But um, you're going to experience success or failure based on those things and not just making the thing that you wanted to. And I think that it, community or whatever you want to call it is naturally always going to form around people who are doing what they want to be doing because it's going to help other people do what they want to be doing or figure out what they want to be doing. And just overall, there's not all the alienating aspects of what people call community attached to it. You know, people don't feel left out. Then they don't feel like there's gatekeeping, you know, all that shit. I mean, with like the internet, it's like, just do whatever you want to do. You know, nobody's stopping you at all. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it's just like, because the, 
the type of people who write stuff and then become publishers or publishers who publish certain things um, just to have similar tastes to mine that it seems like it seems from the outside without knowing you that you've like gone from one uh, eon to the other um, that you've you've moved from one like space and time to the next one because that's how I'm experiencing it so yeah that's... yeah I mean that's a good point too yeah I mean it's all about how you kind of categorize it you know um, I, mm, yeah. I, I know that, or I believe that your, your book covers have always had your art on them, at least, at least throughout Lazy Fascist. Am I right about that or, or not quite? Yeah. Mm, yeah. All of them except for the ones that are on Soft Skull. Okay. Yeah. It almost seems like your visual art has gone through more drastic, uh, phases than your writing has. How connected are the two to you? Um, it, I mean, yeah, you might be right about that. That, that could just be because I've been doing the visual stuff for a lot. Uh, I haven't been doing it as long, like only maybe three years or so total. And so when I'm learning something new, you know, it's pretty easy to be doing one thing and then figure something else out and abandon it, you know? So I've probably done that with writing too, but I've just been doing that longer. And so it's not quite as obvious at this point, or, mm. or maybe it even is still, I haven't really thought about it, but in terms of them being related, um, for me, I think if you do one for a while and then maybe get bored with it and you do the other one for a while, you will have noticed some kind of change. And I just think it's because a lot of it is just problem solving and the more that you do that kind of thing, the more you're going to figure out how to solve problems or figure out new interesting problems to look at. And so, you know, if I'm doing some kind of visual thing and then I'm like, you know, maybe I should try something with just a pencil. And then that I don't, I can't quite say how, but that'll definitely change how I think about writing too, just because they're all approaches. Mm, I like how you use the term problem solving. Can you expand on that? Well, I mean, if you're trying, I mean, if you're trying to make something, right? If you're trying to publish something or if you're trying to show someone visual art, I mean, you're kind of starting your own problem and then trying to figure out a way to, you know, solve it, right? Or finish it. I mean, if you have an idea for a book and you start writing it, it's not written yet. You know, you've just started it and there's going to be problems that you encounter. And so then you kind of have to solve those. And the difference is that, there's no right answer really to show anybody, you know, if you do a math problem, you can't just come up with your own answer and then have somebody else approve of it or whatever. But with this kind of thing, you're kind of starting your own problem and then coming up with hopefully an answer that you're satisfied with. And, um, so like I said, doing different, I mean, and even, even outside of that, like I, for a while in Florida, when I was living in Florida, I was helping, do like home remodeling stuff where I'd have to put stuff together in a kitchen. And I noticed that I was painting one night and I started to paint the shape of one of the bolts or something that I was using. And so I think all that kind of shit just creeps in and you use it somehow, you know, like if you're, you know, let's say, you know, you're in radio, let's say you started to learn about gardening. I, I'd have a hard time thinking that you wouldn't think about them both to some degree as mm-hmm. how they relate to each other, you know? Okay. Just for example. Yeah. What 
what gets you stuck when you're writing? Do you find specific things? Um, do you find yourself like getting backed into the same corner a lot? Or do you notice um, yourself running out of steam due to certain reasons or anything like that? I, I think uh, um, if I'm being honest, I think that any like writing and visual stuff, that's actually what helps me is like I, I'll be writing some stuff like oh that was interesting or maybe that was funny or I, I don't know just something that I, I feel like needs to be written down and then at a certain point you're like well this really isn't a book you know or this is just a bunch of kind of notes that you've taken and so that that is what makes me feel like I've been backed up like that's to me is like um wow this is really bad like I guess what I'm trying to say is like the main motivation for pretty much everything I've done is at some point I really don't like the shape of what I'm doing. I don't like the shape that it's in, you know, it's like embarrassingly bad or it's just not, you know, it's not done. And so that's what makes me feel kind of backed into a corner. And then I can think, well, I just have to make changes to it until I like it then, you know? Hmm. So that's kind of the main thing. I mean, in terms of, if you're talking about like writer's block or something like that, um, I don't know. I just don't do it if I don't have anything to write down and then something will happen eventually. Sure. I, I find just now, just now as, as we're heading down this path that I, I don't find in writers talking about writing too much that's really enlightening about running into issues while writing. Like people talk about the intimidation of the blank page or, um, say really general things like, Oh, I just, you know, I just keep working on it. I keep going over it. Um, until it, until it feels right. But there's, it doesn't seem like, or at least I haven't found a lot of like really good discussions on like the, the difficulty of making writing happen. And I guess it's interesting when talking to you about it because, you're writing um, because it's sort of minimal and in places it feels effortless, but there's also a lot of things that feel really deliberate and, and really, uh, I think I use the word incisive, but I'm going to use it again. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not trying to make it. I mean, I definitely don't want to claim like it's effortless, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, um, for better, like there's a lot of effort. That's for sure. I mean, like, uh, it definitely comes out. I think I, I guess to answer it, there's like two phases that when I'm working on something, I, I allow myself to do whatever I want, like just keep writing. And if you think it's worth putting down, go ahead. Don't worry about changing anything. But then at a certain point I tell myself now you can only change things or take things out. And, um, so I'll get a whole bunch of stuff out, but then I'll take, I'll take a lot of time even just reading it over and over without changing anything, but then getting it exactly to where I want it. Because um, if you want an example of this, like record yourself talking and then write it down and then look at that as like a sentence and look at how inefficient it is or how maybe you don't even necessarily agree with all of it. And that's what editing does, you know, or working on something. Uh, so there's definitely like effort in it for sure i like that i i so much of of the writing 
that is in whatever this cluster of writing is feels um, fairly, um, I don't know, effortless, I guess. It feels, I don't, I don't want to give a description that, that makes me uh, sound flippant with regard to it, because a lot of it I really like, but there's, there's a, a jazz-like quality to a lot of the writing. Uh, and I think that's probably in a response to the really aristocratic sort of writing of like the postmodernists and your, your academic literary people. So it's, it's nice to be reminded that like stringent editing is, is just as necessary for something that isn't so flowery and um, you know, grandiose about itself. Yeah. I mean, well, there's two, there's two aspects to that. Like you have people, um, you talk about like, you know, academic writing, but, but one of the aspects of that is that they all protect that area. It's not necessarily the character of it. It could be anything, but they will always protect that thing and keep people outside of it. Cause that's how money is made and that's how jobs are kept. And so part of what that means is that you're going to have people experimenting on their own because there's going to be a lot more reliance on self-teaching or relying on your friends or what you think your community is to learn these things. And so there's going to be shit that, you know, what people call mundane writing or writing about anything. Cause I think, you know, and that was me too. Like you kind of think, well, what is my world? You know, I kept thinking that my world had to be somebody else's world and what I've read and told but I guess I don't even know what my world is, you know? And so you, you figure that out by experimenting with things and writing them down and, you know, just like any other aspect of life. But I think another thing that I wanted to say was, uh, I would separate something that is easy to read or, or simply, I would separate things that seem simple and effortless from things that read effortlessly. If, if that makes sense, like, you can be reading something that seems uh, simple and everyday, but it's written in a very clunky way that makes it hard to read or enjoy or get into. And you can read something that's, you know, like you say, grandiose or about something, and it's written in a way that makes it effortless to read. So, you know, those things don't always overlap or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Hmm. What do you want people to, or how about this? Do you, do you have a goal for um, how you want people to react to your writing? No, definitely not. Not how they react. Hmm. I, I, like, um, that was something I kind of ruled out early on because I don't do, I'm not trying to really persuade anybody of anything. And I think that a lot of writing that tries to do that is not really in good faith and could be best served doing something else. And so for me, but, but at the same time there, I guess there is sort of a spirit that I would like to suggest to people. And I think that that just comes across with the writing, you know, like without trying to really do it. Like, it's interesting. I remember early on working on a book and thinking like, man, this is kind of silly, you know, like this is, you know, I'm doing it and it's mine and, and or whatever, but this seems like a silly thing. 
and then people would react like, oh, like that was good, thank you, or like you know it would help you like bond with people. Yeah. And so you like you got to start to think like maybe if I just do whatever I think I should be doing, then the things that I hope to happen will just happen, you know, without me setting my designs on them, which like I said, just never works for me, you know? Yeah. So when you're editing and you're changing something, what are you going for? Is it something specific or is it just kind of, you know, it when you see it? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, um, a lot of times I'll read something over and over again and maybe like kind of earmark something that I think like, ah, maybe, I don't know, that's not really doing it for me now or um, that's not working, but I'll still read it a few times. And if I continue to have that feeling towards it, then I'll just take it out because um, I'm trying to remember more what it was like early on, but now I feel like I just more just trust what I think I should do. Yeah. I think a lot, I think a lot of people really should just do that. I mean, if you don't know what you should, I, I think everybody really knows what they should do like inside somewhere and should just trust that, you know? Definitely. Yeah. That's cool that, that it's possible to get to that point where you, you can just kind of feel that it's going how it's supposed to go or, or know that it isn't and know how to steer it back. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess just, you know, if you're, um, you can, most people can usually do that with somebody else's work, right? You know, you're reading it and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm either entertained by this or I'm not or whatever. And I think you just got to kind of have to be the same way with your own stuff because you're in charge of it, you know? I mean, up, up, leading up until the time that you hand it over or it's published or whatever, that's still like a thing that could be basically anything or it could be nothing, you know? You could erase all of it. And uh, so... Hmm, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea where I was going with that, but oh, I, I think I, I think I'm understanding. Do you have uh, like specific inspirations when it comes to how you write? Like, I don't know when you when you first started. Did you have particular writers who are like in the back of your mind as you were writing? Mm, I don't know um, if I like had them in the back of my mind, but I mean, definitely there were moments where, um, I read something and was like, Oh man. Like, I think, uh, I think mainly for me, it was, I would read something and it would produce such a feeling of power in me. And then also of like this person who was able to kind of like conjure that up, that that to me was like, Whoa, that's a good, that's a pretty good goal. You know, mm. like I, I remember, I definitely remember reading the book junkie, in high school and like my friend borrowed it to me and um, it was one of those, like I just read it until I was done reading it, you know? And I remember like, it's a good book or whatever, but my main feeling was like, wow, that's, uh, that's amazing that this person did this. And then I like had such a good time reading it, you know? And that's, you know, I mean, that's true of anything that people produce, but for me it was writing and, um, so, yeah, I think I guess what I'm trying to say is like more specifically than authors, like moments of books that I've read, because I could probably read some of those books again and not have the same feeling. But um, they were moments when I thought that producing a book would be interesting to try. Hmm. 
so it's it's like a sensation or a feeling that that drives or drove the the creation right like let's say let's say that you're into movies or whatever and like you know i ask you right now what your what your movies are you know it's um there was probably a movie that when you when you were like eight that has led you to that you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. you don't feel that same way about double dragon or whatever it was now but at the time it, it produced some kind of like feeling in you that propelled you onward into this thing and so for me that's that's more of what i think about you you just sent me back in time by mentioning double dragon that's hilarious yeah, I, for some reason I had a feeling that you would have seen it. I have no idea why, but I took a stab <laughs> there. And... Yeah, no, I first saw it in college, so uh, n- not anywhere near when it came out, but that's funny. Um, when So the way that this podcast initially started out is I was only going to do people who were suggested to me by other writers. Um, I had Mike Klein on the show, and you were recommended to me by him, and he wrote little notes by every name that he suggested to me. And the note that he wrote to you was, or about you, part of it was was that you were very reclusive. Do you find yourself to be fairly reclusive? Um, I've definitely been that way. And there's probably always a part of me that will be like that. But um, I don't know. I've actually come to discover that I'm not really much that way. That's just kind of how it works out if that makes sense, you know, like I'm not averse to socializing or any of that kind of thing, but sometimes it just doesn't work out or I just simply rather wouldn't. I mean, I guess that's what, (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's what it is. But I mean, I think, uh, people have like an attitude of me that, uh, that of the like cranky type of writer, whatever thing. Hmm. And I guess maybe there's some truth to that, but I don't know. I mean, that's just how it works, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, my dog is barking at something. That's funny. Uh, well, it was an interesting sort of designation because I found I had I had read your work by that point, which is uh, rare for the people that get suggested to me, just because I'm not super re- well read when it comes to indie writers, uh, sadly. And th- the way that that your character intro interacts with other people um just like or even the types of people that you interact with doesn't lend itself to that idea to me but i guess it kind of does i don't know like i like yeah i know what you're saying i know i think i think actually i just kind of realized like maybe the polls are a little bit different like uh i don't mind not having any contact and being alone for long periods of time. But I also really don't mind with the right energy between somebody like just talking to a stranger or engaging with them, you know? Yeah. So I think, I guess like maybe at my age now, it's less about being like antisocial and more just about being like, um, knowing what kind of exchanges I want to have. And, um, just kind of, I guess maybe just favoring being alone more. Sure. It's easy to get stuff done that way too, you know. Oh, absolutely! It's a lot, a lot easier to write when you're not at a party. It's pretty hard to, you know, get super drunk around fifty people and write the next great American novel. I mean, if you can do it, that's great, but that seems like, yeah, like I an mean, unnecessary challenge. Like I said, for me, 
Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever, do, I guess do whatever is natural. But, uh, for me, uh, I don't know. I guess for me, I feel like it's kind of rare to have, uh, like a really good, meaningful exchange of energy with people. And, um, I'm always open for it, but if not, that's cool. You know, I don't feel like bitter and sad about it anymore. Like I did when I was younger. I'm just kind of like, well, you know, whatever. Sure. Uh, why'd you move to Michigan as a person from Michigan? Uh, why, why did you do this? Yeah, I was coming back to the Midwest and I didn't necessarily want to live in Chicago anymore. And so, um, I'd always liked Michigan. I've been here a couple of times when I was younger. Um, and uh, I was able to get like a catering job out in this area and then also still, you know, work on writing and painting and stuff. So I was like, well, I guess I'll give it a go. And uh, I like it a lot. Good. Uh, I assume you're not, you haven't been working much lately then? Or are you guys essentially? No, no. Um, I've been working as a grill cook and like bartender at this small bar. Okay. And um, they closed maybe, what is it, the end of April now? So, like, maybe five weeks ago. Okay. So, right around the time of the, the stay home, stay safe order. Yeah, I would imagine directly, you know, directly as advised or whatever, you know. Sure. Um, what What is the, this is, this is not about writing, but my my entire life is coronavirus working for a news radio station so i have to ask what's the what's the feeling like where you guys are at you know like what, um, what are people I like mad leveled off yeah i don't know i mean i've been trying to like i moved i'm in the same area that i've been in for a couple of years now but i moved right um like i moved into my place like the day that they were like okay nobody can leave you know <laughs> and so I briefly met my neighbors, but it's not, it hasn't been conducive to like even seeing people. Like I'll go for a walk to go to the post office and I don't see anybody, you know, it's a small area and, um, I don't, it's hard for me to gauge what the rest of the country is like because it seems more or less normal. But, um, I've also just been like, all right, I mean, if you want me to stay inside and or whatever, then I guess I'll do that, you know? So, sure. It's hard for me to gauge, I guess, but everything seems relatively normal. Okay. Uh, just my, the, the radio station I work for, the, I got thrown into producing a show that's a commentary show and it's uh, decidedly conservative. So my, my perspective of how upset other people in Michigan are is really whacked out right now. Like, in in my mind everybody's ready for a revolution because that's that's what they're saying on the radio and yeah i mean and that might be that might be the case i I don't even know that's what i'm saying like here it seems like just normal but uh that's funny though uh yeah that's the feeling of michigan man like 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 it or not i guess like that's how it is here yeah so you recently released early stuff which is a collection of uh, a bunch of your older uh books what what is what does it contain exactly i don't have the contents in front of me the early stuff book? yeah it has the first three 
books of poetry that I wrote. Okay. And um, then like another book that I put out that somebody else like printed up like 50 copies of and has since gone out. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I see. Um, I'm going to clone myself and then kill the clone and eat it. Frowns need friends too. No one can do anything worse to you than you can. And Gerald McClellan versus Nigel Ben. Okay, cool. So a lot of the um, other lazy fascist stuff is that's all you releasing that on your own. Yeah. Okay. How? I saw you asking questions about it on Twitter. How did the process of figuring out how to release all that? go for you i guess um honestly like not you know overall pretty easy i guess all things considered but i'm uh not really good at that kind of stuff or not inclined to it so it was kind of uh there were some frustrating parts to it but um yeah i guess overall really not that bad okay because it, it uh, yeah it seems like like self-publishing is simultaneously easy, but also very confusing. Um, like trying to figure out ISBN numbers and all kinds of weird stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I guess now having done it a little bit, my recommendation would be to allow yourself like a huge window. Like if you're like, I want to put this book out and then you're going to, you're going to self-publish it. I would give, yourself a bigger window than you think you need and then just slowly kind of piece it together that way it's not Mm. like you know yeah that way you're not like one night you're like oh i I need all this stuff done and you know or this won't happen or whatever because it is a lot of stuff that you have to figure out you know the meaning of it and um so then like i bought a bunch of ISBN numbers and then people got a hold of me and were like, Hey, uh, here's, here's one for free or whatever. So, you know, I, I didn't know anything. And, um, even the setup, like the setup, uh, of Ingram or whatever it's called, like there's codes you can put in to not have to pay publishing setup fees. I didn't know about any of that. Like <laughs> it's, there's, um, there's steps to it, you know? Yeah. It definitely seems like we need, or I don't know if we need it. I don't even know if we deserve it. But it, it seems like it would be useful to some people to have somebody sort of on the inside really lay out how that stuff works. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if the results would be would be good or bad, you know? I don't know. Like yeah, I, I, I like mean... the idea of, of being able to be really anarchist and decentralized about it, but I, I enjoy to some degree that there are presses that like you you know that if a press puts a book out that you're probably going to like it or not based on that like i like having that as a reader you know yeah yeah you're talking about like basically like curating like taste yeah kind of. curation that's that's the word i want yeah i mean that's cool too i mean ideally i guess you would want to have that for yourself as a writer you know but um yeah presses do make that happen too um and so in the past few days at least as we record this past few days you've 
started doing these handwritten, uh, I, I don't know, would you call them chat books on Instagram? Yeah. Can you talk about that? That's an idea I haven't seen before. I found it interesting. Um, well, I've done it before with some other stuff. I don't think quite this way, but, um, I had like a group, like I had an amount of poems that I had and I was like, well, it's not really long enough for a book. And I don't really feel like, uh, uh, I don't know. I just kind of wanted something to do actually. And then it all kind of snapped that I could just go buy some paper and cut up paintings and put them together. And, um, maybe, and maybe that's just because I have gone through the self publishing thing that I'm like, man, it'd be really nice just to be able to make something right here. And then that's it. You know, it's done. Yeah. So, What's a normal day for you like? I know it's hard to say now that we're supposed to be stuck inside all the time, but that's something um, that I think would inform. So, yeah, go ahead. I mean, right now, it's mostly like waking up, cleaning, patching, packaging up stuff that I have to mail, mailing it, working on stuff that I want to work on. I'm doing enough stuff right now where there's kind of like uh always something to be doing so i'm just trying to do that until work starts back up or whatever happens you know Mm -hmm. does it feel kind of year after year like you're gaining steam or, or or growing something um i guess uh my answer to that would be that there's different ways of those things happening and if you get the right people behind you right away, it's going to seem like you've gone to this higher place. But the reality is that you, it's people reading your books or not. Mm -hmm. And so if you're doing stuff on your own, it might take slower or it might be slower to build up. But if it does build up, it will, because you're just going to, you know, more people will tell other people about it and that kind of thing. It's kind of like when you, when you're like starting like a campfire, if you use a whole bunch of like lighter fluid, it'll burst up, but it's not going to like keep burning, you know? And so, um, I think that's kind of what's happening, but, but to also answer that, I don't really, uh, I mean, I take note of it, but it's not really like a calculation, you know? Um, because then I would start to have weird thoughts like, well, now I have to do like this kind of novel or whatever. And like I said, as long as I feel like, I'm doing something that I want to do. Like nothing really bad can come from that, you know? Sure. And, and that's, you know, that has to do with, I guess what you would call the landscape of things. Now, I think there's more interaction between like a bigger place and a smaller place, or maybe they're watching out or something. And then, you know, couple that with like the internet and all that kind of shit. And you can, someone can appear very hyped quickly but um however much of that holds on is you know i guess you just have to see yeah i mean i like to think it all just works out i guess is what i'm answering you know if you're yeah if you get pulled up out of nowhere for some bogus reason and you're shoved in everybody's face and whatever and then it doesn't hold then whatever you didn't do the work you know and if you're uh, if you're doing your own work and you're slowly climbing, then hey, that's all yours, you know. Good job, keep going. Yeah. 
one of the ideas that's kind of circulated through my brain while I was reading The Ice Cream Man and other stories is just kind of thinking about, like, what would a 60-year-old Sam Pink write about? And I guess my last question is sort of, like, in that same ecosystem. Like, you know, as time progresses, do you consider, like the the future of your writing or are you more just focused on just like knuckling down and getting the work done yeah i i mean i definitely don't put any thought into that and uh i think the reason is because i know that if i'm like truly interested in doing something then i'll do it but that also means that one day I might not be interested in it and I might not do it. And so um, I think I've always kind of approached it like that. And the weird thing is that that usually leads to you doing more. So um, if I'm still into it and doing things, then I don't think it will be, I don't think it'll seem off, you know, like uh, for instance, like I'm working on something now and it took me a while to get back into working on anything and like I said, I never do the like, well, I got to do something now. Like, you know, if it happens, cool. If not, then whatever. But um, I've recently been working on something where I feel like, okay, this is like a new, this is a new thing. And uh, I'm excited to work on it. And so theoretically, I mean, that can always happen, you know. And But if not, then whatever. As long as the things that you've done were things that you wanted to do, then that's a pretty good track record, I guess. Or I'd be happy with it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that new thing any more than that? I'm interested. I think I, I don't, I mean, I'm just working on another like short book, but mm-hmm. um, uh, I think um, for me, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of similarities between my books, you know, or whatever, but for me, there's always something different about it that allows me to be excited about it and then approach it like a little thing that I've like unlocked or something and for me, the thing I'm working on now feels like I definitely, and, and I guess to add to that, it always feels like I have to get back down to that thing, like the most base, bare level of like what I want to do or what seems interesting. And so I feel pretty good about where that's at right now. And, um, you know, because I don't want to do the same thing just to be doing something, you know? Yeah. If it feels new and good, then cool. And if not, then don't ruin the old things by making them over again, but like worse, you know? Hmm. That's an interesting consideration. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, do the thing and then leave it where it's at. Yeah. You know? Because I look at like, okay, so the, the early stuff book came out and I was like looking at stuff and I'm like, wow, you know, this... I could never do this now and uh, for better or worse, whatever that means, you know, but I looked at it and could truly like feel that like that was who I am or who I was at that point and uh, was glad to have written a lot of it down. And um, so I think that's kind of the thing to consider, you know, like are you engaging with and documenting new things and growing along with them? Or are you just like, hey, you know, that uh, one thing that I did that certain way, people seem to like that. Maybe I'll like try to 
take that for a swing again, you know, or like, like it's like people talking about like a sequel at like a company meeting or something. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, just do, don't do it, man. Like you, you're not that, you're not that person anymore. You're a different person thinking about that person. And that's just, I don't know, man, probably not going to be good. So yeah. But I mean, like, uh, you know, uh, ideally there's always going to be something. I mean, I can't, I can't possibly imagine ever running out of things to do or like uh, write about or any of that stuff, you know? Sure. So, so what you're saying is there's not going to be a no hello diets remastered edition coming out anytime soon. Actually though, now uh, that I'm thinking about it for like years now, I've thought about without thematically doing it, just naming a book, one of the earlier books, but two, like yeah. uh, putting a two after like a sequel, but and not having it be in any way related, but that seems like uh, that's always seemed appealing to me. And I'd be surprised if I don't do it at some point. Good. I hope you do. I, I think that would be, I think that'd be hilarious. Uh, I mean, so, so much of my reading of your writing has always sort of been wondering like where the connections between pieces are and things like that. Like creating in my brain, the extended Sam Pink universe has always been a fun uh, exercise. So, so I think having like Witch Piss 2 come out would, would just be uh, really entertaining. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny to me. I don't know. It also seems like a funny, um, like you're acknowledging how serious books can be in some way, you know, cause like, uh, I feel like everybody would just immediately frown upon that idea. Like it's so, it's so hokey or something, but the like, you know how like the, like whenever you see a movie or like back in the day, maybe like in the nineties when they would advertise a movie and then add two after, you know, it was like this like momentous thing, like, Oh shit, you know? And so I feel like doing that to a book would just be really funny because it would immediately not be that exciting, you know? Yeah. Well, and then you get, you know, like, you know, we mentioned Double Dragon. So, like, campy 80s movies. Troll 2 is famously not related to the first Troll movie in any way, shape, or form. Like, n- nobody related to Troll was in Troll 2 or had anything to do with Troll 2, as far as I can tell. Yeah, that's what I mean. It'd be funny just to have it be completely unrelated, but obviously totally related by the name. One thing I like to do near the end of the conversation is ask if you have any uh calls to action uh anything relating to just letting people know where they can can buy your work uh plugging social media or if you have a political manifesto now or anything in between uh now would be the time for you to do the the call to action (laughs) oh i don't know um i mean i guess Ideally, I'm always calling on everybody to do what they think is the right action. I feel like that's like a really shitty middle of the ground political statement, but like I feel like it'll just work out that way, you know. If you think it's right, you should be doing it. It'll work itself out. You'll either find out that it's wrong or you are right, and then you know whatever. I like to think it all works out. My girlfriend and I are walking her dog around uptown. It's really hot. 
At a stoplight, I watch an old lady in the parking lot of a fast food place throw an entire package of fries onto the asphalt for the pigeons and seagulls to eat. I start thinking about how I want to do that every day. To have that be the thing I did every morning. Not read the paper, not drink tea or make juice, not smoke a cigarette or exercise, but go and buy a few dollars worth of fries and throw them all over the parking lot for the seagulls and pigeons to eat. The pigeons would come down from the power lines and the seagulls would come all the way from the lake every morning just to see me. They'd all rely on me. I'd be theirs. How would I deliver the fries, though? Would I break the fries up? Would I throw them down one at a time? Maybe break them all up and throw them into the air like confetti for one big rush. What would I do? We cross the intersection and I keep walking. I wipe my face with my shirt. My girlfriend says, my grandma died in a heat wave like this. She got really paranoid and wouldn't leave her apartment. And then like at a certain point, she wouldn't even let people in. Like she wouldn't let people deliver groceries because she was too paranoid to have the door open even for a second. Her dog walks in front of me to sniff something and I almost trip over the leash. And I think about an old woman locked in her apartment dying. I imagine her lying down to die. And then after she dies, she wakes up as a seagull in motion over Lake Michigan, following other seagulls to a fast food parking lot where I'm throwing fries all over the fucking place.